lift her up there and get. What's that? No, that, that's fine. It's just it's my knee was bending back a little. This is BTS with CTV behind the scenes, behind the stories we bring you from the CTV Vancouver newsroom. How are you doing, Morgan? Doing pretty well, grand scheme of things. My name is Penny Daflos, and I'll be your guide behind the curtain to a bedside interview with a crowd of reporters. And then I guess you guys gotta let me know the drill, like are we taking turns here? Or? In this special episode of the podcast, I'm gonna walk you through an interview with Colin Dowler, who narrowly survived a grizzly bear attack, and then explain how a story like this all comes together. I mean, you can just generally look kind of straight ahead, uh, if that's okay, no matter uh, who asks the question, or whatever's natural for you. Yeah, well, usually talking directly to a person yeah, is natural. Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay, that's what I'll do then. So was, uh, you'll have uh, to picture the scenario here. You can watch our CTV Vancouver story, but I'd really like you to picture the scenario for now. There is a, a man with a bit of a five o'clock shadow and we can't tell if, if he's normally bearded or not, but he's lying in bed with a blanket on him. He looks exhausted. His wife is sitting next to him at his bedside and crowded around the foot of the bed are uh, three television cameras, uh, a few radio reporters, a couple print reporters with still photographers. So there were probably about 15 or 18 people in the room crowded on one side, all looking at this man. Uh, the little table that normally, um, you know, patients have their, their water or their juice or, or their food on them to have next to them. It's absolutely full of microphones. As we uh, listen to Dowler tell this amazing survival story on the Sunshine Coast, uh, starting to lay out the details for us, and, and we're just wrapped with attention uh, as he tells us. I was uh, on a hike uh, to just find a route up a mountain, and on my way back down, uh, I got onto my mountain bike, I had a logger actually drive me uh, up to where the logging road craps out. So I was uh, riding my mountain bike back down and came across a grizzly bear uh, walking up the road, the, opposite direction of me uh, so I wasn't really sure what to do about the situation so I just kind of came around and I had a hiking pole I just kind of tried to poke it away with my hiking pole but didn't want to do anything too aggressive and I was talking to the bear explaining to it that you know, you don't have to have a problem here everything's okay. I, I really love that detail that he was talking to the bear uh, because so often the people that we interview for our stories are uh, politicians or, or people in, in public positions and they have media training and they are very precise with their wording. They want to be really professional. They want to, you know, maintain some professionalism and just really um, an aura of authority oftentimes. And so the fact that Dowler was talking to the bear, I think that it was something about that clip just really reached out to me because I could imagine being in that situation and I think anybody listening to his story or, or watching him relay what happened to him could have imagined themselves in that situation. So that was just one of those really human moments that I absolutely really loved um, in that interview and, and I think kind of helps draw people into the story. And I just started pushing on my bike and threw my backpack off and had some food in it. I sniffed at the pack and seemed more interested in me and ultimately overwhelmed me and my, uh, my bike and then me and kind of grabbed me by the stomach and kind of pushed me down, dragged me towards a ditch maybe 50 feet, and I tried eye-gouging it away, but it didn't really work, and I think it shook me and spun me around and crossed over top of me, 
So like its haunches were here and it was mostly chewing on this uh, femur or uh, thigh. And uh, I was trying to peel its lips back or its mouth back and it bit me in the arm and bit my foot and then bit this leg a few times. And I tried to have this little pocket knife my dad had given me like two weeks earlier. I tried getting to it and it was just too much pain with the bear chewing away. I could hear like the grating sounds. Listen to those details. I mean, it, it gives you chills listening to his experience. This, this bear is basically starting to try to eat him alive. And then for a moment, think about, as a reporter, which of those clips do you use? What, what do you use from that explanation that he tried eye gouging it, that it was chewing on his leg, that he was trying to peel its, its teeth off of him, the grating sounds of its teeth on his bones, on his bones, these are hair-raising details, and you want to include them all in there, but the, he just had so many compelling things to say. It was a real struggle, actually, to try to figure out what to include in the story. And in this case, uh, with, with this particular story, usually our stories are about a minute and a half long, and I begged my producers for extra time because we just needed to hear more from Dowler. And because the pain of that, I just tried playing dead, but I couldn't do that because kept chewing, so the dead thing wasn't going to work. Uh, so somehow, I don't know how I did it, I used both hands to pull underneath the bear to get to that knife. And I, I grabbed the knife out and opened it and put it in this hand and stabbed the bear in the neck and it let go of me immediately and was bleeding quite badly and it uh, walked back up to where my bicycle was and my backpack and I could see it was bleeding pretty badly. Uh, but when I moved, it still kind of reacted and walked by me and sort of towards the bush and tried to move back towards my bike and it moved again. I wasn't really sure if it was dying faster than I was or what was going on. So, I mean, this guy is what reporters call a clip machine. He didn't know if he was dying faster than the bear or it was dying faster than him. I, I, I mean, listen to that. That is, I, I could listen to, to someone talking so frankly and so honestly about his experience like that any day of the week. Um, so I already knew at this point, this was just a, a few minutes into our interview with this man, uh, three and a half minutes into this interview, that this was actually going to be a really hard story to put together because there was so much detail that we wanted to hear. And we wanted to hear more directly from Dowler. We just couldn't get enough of him. And so he continued telling his story as the reporters and the camera operators sat wrapped with attention and the, and the camera operators, because oftentimes, as you've heard on previous podcasts now, I, I have to shoot my own material as a reporter. Uh, in this case, though, in order to be able to interview him and, and, and to really ask uh, compelling questions without sacrificing the quality of the video, uh, the videographers were trying to think more about the technical so that they could get the stress on his face so that they could see how tired he still looked from this experience. If, if you look at the videography from from this interview, um, it's actually, it may look easy because this man is just in one spot. He can't really move because he's lying down but because of his injuries, but it is actually something that takes a lot of skill um, for a photojournalist to, or a videographer to figure out when to make a slow, slow, slow zoom into his face if he's saying something really important, uh, when not to risk that and just stay as as you are so that you can just really focus on hearing exactly what someone like this has to say. Um, 
it ended up uh, that we were there for, uh, we thought we'd only be there for maybe 10 or 15 minutes. We were in that room for almost half an hour uh, because he was just so free and open with his experience uh, telling us exactly what had happened to him. I uh, took the same knife and got a long sleeve shirt on and cut the sleeve off the shirt to make a tourniquet for my leg while the uh, bear was still standing there sort of looking at me and bleeding but not bleeding as much anymore and I was wondering what to do so I tied the tourniquet on uh, and I tried crawling to back to my bicycle and I think I probably lost track of the bear at this point it didn't seem like it was coming for me again and the rocks on the logging road were like too painful on my knees which doesn't really make sense uh, for me to crawl so I flipped over onto my butt and I used my better leg to push myself back to uh, my bicycle and I tried to mount my bicycle and I fell off doing that and I thought I got one more chance to do this right and got on the bike and got on it was a seven kilometer ride from there back to camp and the first four or so of that was relatively flat like I had to do quite a bit of pedaling before I was on a glide down and uh, I got back to the logging camp where uh, Vito had originally given me a lift up to the nine kilometer mark and uh, I flopped down it uh, like on their steps to their uh, um, I guess their rec room or uh, where they eat and yelled for help in a helicopter and uh, luckily, there was five guys there, so it wasn't just Vito, there was four other guys. And they all had level one first aid, and they all band together to sort it all out and keep me alive and take care of me and call an air ambulance. And right, so it was an hour of just having them work with me and getting in touch with some of my family so they could help out as well. And then, yeah, I got heli lifted here and then. Yeah, here, here I am now. Yeah, they saved my life. I just want to take a moment here uh, where Deller had mentioned Vito, who was the cook at this uh, road building camp where he went to get help and, and first aid and, and these people who actually saved his life. And uh, one of my colleagues had actually gotten in touch with Vito the day before this interview or a couple of days before. And, and Vito had said that uh, Dowler showed up with huge gaping wounds uh, the doctors later told us that he actually had exposed organs from the bear swiping and slashing at him. And Vito actually said it looked like a slab of steak, like an uncooked steak. That's what this man looked like when he rode up to them, staggered off his bicycle, begging for help. So when we got photos of Dowler's injuries, the puncture wounds, we didn't even see the worst of it, I can tell you that. But we saw puncture wounds, we saw big gaping wounds from the bear's teeth, from the bear's claws. And you can't show that on TV for a six o'clock audience when um, oftentimes there are children in the room, other times people are just having their dinner and that's the last thing that they want to see. But we also don't want to sanitize the reality of what this man went through. So it's uh, I've done a previous podcast episode on this before, you can look it up, uh, on how we figure out what we are going to show. That podcast is titled To Blur or Not to Blur and it is actually a, a really involved in sensitive discussion about how much of this person's injuries are, are we going to show. In this case, you could see how exhausted he looked in bed, um, the fact that he was lying there just explaining what had happened to him. But we also still needed to show some pictures because we've got a TV story to tell. 
you, you've got to show something about what was happening there because Colin is a great speaker, uh, but you also can't have him speaking for the whole piece because we need to cram a whole bunch of information in a piece, even if it is extended to two minutes with an extra 30 seconds, which let me tell you, that was a luxury. You know, I still needed to do a lot of condensing of information. So we needed those pictures to try to kind of cover some of what the voiceover when you hear the reporter talking, we needed to cover the VO. And to that end, uh, you know, Dowler also sent me some uh, photos of the area. You just basically see a logging road. You see some trees. I'd gotten photos from a conservation officer who'd gone there uh, the day after to try to find this bear, uh, which was uh, wounded and bleeding in and of itself as well. So luckily, I was able to kind of cobble together enough photos that we were able to cover the voiceover is what we call it. But, you know, basically stitch together something to see, because in this case, we heard a tremendous story. The The audio, the clips were absolutely incredible, but visually challenged, which is not what you want to be faced with as a TV reporter. In this case, his story and the details and his clips really carried it through. Um, but, you know, I had a, a tough time uh, editing it and, and bringing it all together in terms of, of what to show. I don't think the bear growled once. Yeah, it, uh, it drooled a lot, but I don't think it growled. Do you remember some of your other senses, what you were smelling, what you were hearing at the time? Uh, just the hearing. Uh, like I'm amazed I don't have any broken bones because it sounded like it was like grating my bones up. It, it wasn't like it was a, like a wild lunging attack or anything. It came in like, like with kind of methodical, sort of powerful swats, I guess. It probably moved pretty quick when it grabbed my stomach. I, I didn't things weren't racing, right? And that ride back, seven kilometers. Oh, how man. long did that last, and what were you thinking? I, I, honestly, I don't know how long it lasted, and I was thinking I'm not going to make it. Right? And that was, yeah, it was pretty freaking scary. Yeah. After you were injured, was there a loved one, a family member you were thinking of? Uh, after? Uh, honestly, probably my uh, daughters and wife. Uh helped me when I was struggling with the point of this is it that helped me to get to my knife I think they helped you get out of this alive it sounds like if it weren't for that gift from your dad for that knife uh, we might not be having this conversation here today there's a chance for sure you know, as reporters, we're always trying to ask a question that gets not just information, because we were obviously getting a ton of information here from Colin Dowler. I mean, there was no shortage of that. But you also want to get a sense of his headspace, get a sense of where he was at. Um, and that's why we were asking about his family. That's why we were asking about, um, you know, when I asked there, you know, if it weren't for that knife, maybe he wouldn't be here today. You know, when you get those kind of windows into a person grappling with their own mortality out there in a situation like this, those are the the moments that I think that you remember from a story. Um, there's a an old adage in, in TV news that um, you remember what you feel more than what you know. And the idea behind that is that, you know, 
the who, what, when, where, why, uh, the how many times did it swipe him, how many broken bones, you know, all that kind of stuff is important and you're going to remember it. But when somebody says, I've never been so scared in my life, that is something that it's not a statistic or a figure or a fact that you'd remember. It's, it's that feeling because you can remember um, feeling scared yourself and, and you kind of connect with the person telling the story. So that's why we were asking Colin a lot of questions to try to get those emotional responses, even though he was already giving them to us. You know, we still want to know a little bit more. We want to clarify details and, and just make sure that we're getting the story right and and just try to figure out what is the best way to tell it and and what do we want to focus on that the audience may be most interested in knowing Vito and the folks that helped you at the camp um is there anything that you wanted to say to them you got a pretty big oh yeah you guys rock yeah that was awesome you guys yeah dinner's on me when i get better (laughs) i mean that clip made me smile too right I, i included it in the story because Dinner's on him. I mean, wouldn't you say the same thing? Wouldn't you? I, I, I don't know. I just thought it was just such a lovely little moment and it made all of us smile and chuckle And in, in what is a, it's a heavy story because this man almost died, but it's also a good news story because he survived and he was here telling us about it. We're, we're right in front of him and, and his wife's sitting there and kind of shaking her heads ahead at different parts of the story because it was just so... You could tell that for her, it was still hard for her to hear, even though this was a few days um, after he'd gotten back and he was well on the road to recovery. And he'd actually, that day that he did the interview with us, he'd actually stood up for a few minutes in his uh, hospital room, which was absolutely amazing considering, God, I think it was maybe three or four days earlier that, that he was airlifted there with his organs exposed the way he'd been at the camp. I mean, they helped patch him up a little bit, but a surgeon later relayed that his his injuries were like what you'd see in a war zone what what you'd see is the results of an explosion that's how badly injured colin dowler was after his encounter with this grizzly bear and then here he is cracking jokes with us about buying dinner for the guys who patched him up it, it was just a really lovely moment that that made us all smile and I, I really hope that it made the viewers smile at home uh, just having that clip at the end of the story as well can you talk about the significance of this trail why, why did you go to that area uh oh there's a mountain my brother and i were interested in hiking uh so there's more than one route to get to it in in theory so i was just doing some recon to find out uh uh which way might be the best approach knowing that it's not going to happen first try right it may not happen at all or it could take you know quite quite a few attempts so this brings us to a little detail i was able to include in the story that uh Dowler did not tell us about. He had just said that he'd wanted to to hike that mountain. Well, Dowler's dad happened to be there, and we were chatting with him after we'd finished the interview outside his uh, hospital room there. And, you know, we were just chatting and saying how incredible it was that his son was able to, to give us an interview, that he was willing to give us an interview about his experience there. Uh, I think, it, and I think that his motivation was in part that he just wanted to thank people for for the help that they were able to offer him. All these various people that were able to the, the surgeons who operated on him, the uh, the road building crew that was able to respond with first aid right away, just everybody who stepped in to to help him. And so it turns out that the reason that Dowler was in this uh, remote stretch of the Sunshine Coast, Ramsey Arm. 
uh, you know, some distance from him where he lives in Powell River on uh, Vancouver Island. But I mean, this is, is quite the journey just to get to this uh, section of the Sunshine Coast. And we were thinking, oh, he just wanted to hike some mountain. Okay. But then his dad told us it was because he had been wanting to go hike a mountain named after his grandfather. Mount Doogie Dowler was named after Colin Dowler's grandfather. Uh, apparently, it's a, a mountain that's that's visible from one of the Gulf Islands where his grandparents lived. And and friends of Doogie Dowler ended up naming this mountain for him after he died. And so Colin Dowler had wanted to hike it with his brother. And that's why he'd gone to this remote logging road with his uh, with his mountain bike, ready to, to scope out what the area looked like, not really knowing how close how dangerous that area was that it was seriously bear country that this this bear was uh aggressive uh in this area i i, I mean I, I talked to the conservation officers that went the next day to track down this bear and they actually told me that the bear that they thought they were stalking because they had found traces of blood they found it and so they thought they were tracking this bear through the forest turns out that the bear had been stalking them and it was ready to attack them when one of the four conservation officers smelled something uh, that he knew was probably a predator and turned around and, and the bear was maybe 12 feet away, just a few meters away from the group of conservation officers. So unbeknownst to Dowler, he'd gone to, to scope out a, a piece of family history to experience that with his brother at a later date. They were going to go up together and found himself face to face with a grizzly that very nearly took his life. Jen, did you want to say a few words uh, since we have you here? And if you could just speak up a bit so that the mics can try to pick up your audio there, that would be great. Um, I just want to thank the guy from the camp because, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, he definitely wouldn't be here if it hadn't been for them. Um, and I'm just happy that my husband is as stubborn as he is. Okay, that hurts. <laughs> Um, yeah, we're just happy to have him back. Um, How long have you been married? Uh, 16 years? Yeah, I think that's 16 right. 16 years. <laughs> and uh, Colin's birthday was on Tuesday. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. So it attacked you on your birthday? The day, the day, day before. before. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a Which birthday was it, if you don't let me ask? 45. Happy birthday. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> that's an interview that's going to stick with me for a while. The intensity of his story crowded into that hospital room with all the other reporters. Hearing all these incredible details and trying to think, oh God, how am I going to cram that all together? You heard there uh, about nine minutes uh, out of this uh, interview with him. We recorded about 20 so you heard nine of it out of 20 right there through this podcast. And then I had to make a story that was supposed to be a minute and a half that ended up being about two minutes of this man's experience. So next time you uh, watch a TV news story and, you know, are critical of the clips that are chosen, or wonder why we choose some of the clips that we do for good or bad, uh, just be aware that oftentimes these I shouldn't say oftentimes oftentimes we're, we're pretty concise and it's a much simpler story my interviews are typically three to five minutes long and I just uh, choose a few um, concise things that somebody has to say out of that but in a circumstance like this where we're 
it's an embarrassment of riches. I just wanted to give you a sense of what we were dealing with, the kind of man that Dowler is, and, and the circumstance that we were dealing with. Thank you for sharing this. Thank you, guys. For sure. And thank you for joining us on BTS with CTV. I hope you'll check out my colleague Binder Sudgeon's Lady at the Ledge podcast, combining politics, current events, and Binder's smart and sassy take on the big issues of the week. Is there a topic you'd like me to cover on a future episode of this podcast? Email me, bts at ctv.ca. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe for more insights, tidbits, and the stories behind the stories. I'm Penny Daphos. <laughs>